This is Kurt. And this is D. Wyatt. And this is the MFG Cast. everybody it's another episode i have not died yet of internal damage nobody would nobody would know anyway or care but we were supposed to have a special guest we were supposed to have eric yurko on this episode from what's eric playing and my body decided to give me some trouble you know some uh, stomach trouble so unfortunately we're, we're not be able to talk to him this episode but hopefully we're, we're going to be talking to him in the next couple of weeks here so i apologize that i can't have my body go two weeks without something going wrong with it so yeah that's always fun times now the question is did you hit that critical mass of sickness where you're just kind of laying there and you're like you know what either just kill me or let me get better. I am tired of this. Like, pick one. Die or work. <laughs> yeah, that was like around Christmas time when I had that. This one was more like, I could be better or I could be worse. But it's annoying as hell because it's like, okay, which one do I have here, you know? So I was literally at work going, you know what? This is going to be it. Something bad's going to happen at work, and I'm going to be that guy where something happened at work, and everyone, and I'm going to embarrass myself in front of everybody. I won't specify what exactly that is, but you can just imagine. So I don't think I have to imagine that hard. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, man, why does this always got to happen to me? I tell you. It's like, it, you can't win. You know, it's like, okay, you could like go, you could like go to like the subway and lick every part of the uh, every part of the subway and you know be dying or you could be you know washing your hands every five minutes and putting you know whatever and still be dying so it doesn't matter what you do you know your, <laughs> your body's either gonna love you or hate you it's just the way it is <laughs> that sounds medical advice by the way i'm glad to see that oh, totally <laughs> totally yeah exactly it doesn't matter well, according to google your body either loves you or hates you so i guess that's all <laughs> No more need for exercise or blood medications. <laughs> hey, it's all a lie, man. It's all the government trying to shove their shove their agenda down your throat, man. I don't care what they say. Your body either loves you or it hates you. That's it. For, so this episode is going to be kind of a us asking you questions on Twitter and Facebook, talking about what you guys had for your answers and kind of putting our little spin on what we think about those questions, too. But before we get to that, let's get into what we've been playing recently, which for me hasn't been much. So, uh, Dan, why don't you go first? Okay. I'm going to have to give you a visual on something, and I know this is fantastic for an audio podcast, however. Oh, yeah. People always love that. Because you may not even understand what you're looking at when you see this box cover. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So Kurt's staring in on one. Cabbage Head's Garden. Yes, Mr. Cabbage Head's Garden. So, as you know, I am a big, avid listener of other board gaming podcasts, because I'm outside for about 45 hours a week, so I like to listen to stuff. And uh, <laughs> one of my favorites has been Sporadically Bored with Mike and Dan, and uh, or with Dan and Mike, based on your personal preference. But basically, um, they were talking about Mr. Cabbage's Garden. Uh, Mike is a huge solo board gamer. And they really noted how this is like one of their favorite and ultimate solo games. And I gotta admit, this thing is really cool and it's something I never even heard of until their show. So I'm hoping to in turn push it forward or and just let other people know through our show that this is pretty cool. It's actually, um, you know, like a lot of games, they include a solo variant and you're like, okay, this is actually a solo game where they eventually decide to include a two player variant. And oh, weird. the whole concept is, you're basically, Mr. Cabbage Head just wants to be left alone with his garden. But all of his annoying neighbors just keep having to, you know, come and talk to him and annoy him. And I'm like, I can completely relate to this game. 
Because I hate everybody. I don't want anyone coming near me when I do anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just to let you know, anybody, if you're at a con that's near where Dan is, do not go and talk to him because he does not care about you. Right? So, <laughs> but the whole concept is um, you're going to split the deck into thirds. And then there's like these like little uh, on holiday cards. So that's like marking the end of like, you know, each like full round or whatever. But you're dealing out three cards and you're using like a, a weird currency of bees to decide what cards you can take. It's almost like, you know, like, oh, if you take a card on the left, you get a bee. But if you take a card on the right, you lose a bee. So sometimes like by choosing certain things, you'll be cutting off future choices or you might take something not so much you want it, but because you need to have the option for the future and stuff. And you're setting up patterns inside your garden because not only are the vegetables worth points when you score, but there's also going to be like patterns because a nice garden is what people are impressed by. You know, you want beautiful visuals. You just don't throw seeds on the ground and hope everything comes out okay. You know, like who wants that? You know, it's like you don't want to be picking up your peppers there and there and here and over there. You want all your peppers together. You want them to look nice. And intern in Mr. Cabbage Head's garden, you want the same, you know, but... The thing is, um, as you're getting some vegetables and planting your seeds, you're going to also be drawing these neighbor tokens, which will decide which of your nosy and annoying neighbors are coming to visit you uh, at the end of the holiday. And they will, of course, ruin things because that's what neighbors do, Kurt. They will see the things that you love and ruin it on you because they will steal and destroy your vegetables. So this game is highly thematic because that's the one thing my neighbors constantly do. They come over... And swipe my peppers. So, <laughs> but the whole thing is, it's like you're trying to get like, you know, patterns, trying to get like continuous rows of vegetables. And um, it's a pretty interesting puzzle. It's it's really fun. It's really different. And it's, of course, one of those things that I'm like, this game is great. And this should be, you know, another one of those games that I'm like, this would be awesome if you can find it on Cool Stuff for Miniature Market. Let me know how that works out for you because they're not there. But it is something you can easily throw in your BGG uh, trade list that you wanted in trade, because that has how I got my copy. So, okay, so here's my question about Mr. Cabbage Head's Garden. That's right, that's it, right? Yeah. Okay, so it's a being that has a cabbage head, and he's growing stuff in his garden. Now, is the stuff in his garden, are those his children? Because he's also a vegetable and those are the vegetables in his garden, and or is you know those are just vegetables, and he's eating those vegetables from his garden, so that would make him a vegetable cannibal. I I'm trying to piece this together. I don't understand it. Well, I think that only makes him half a cannibal because I mean he's a living person, vegetable guy, and the rest of the vegetables are just plain vegetables. People say vegetables are alive too. Yeah, but I mean with, like, hands and a face and the ability to work. Maybe the vegetables are, their faces are facing towards the ground so you don't see them. So he is literally a cannibal. I mean, it is possible. I mean, that will actually make the game a little better. But if it was a game about planting his children, that would be Mr. Cabbage Head's Orphanage, which I'm hoping hits Kickstarter next May. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or is it a thing where he was a human and then he was so obsessed with his garden and hating his neighbors that somehow fate twisted his form and turned him into this vegetable guy. And he has to be doomed as this vegetable. This guy has to loom over this vegetable garden for all of eternity. All of his neighbors also have vegetable-like traits. So my assumption is it's probably like the movie The Fly. Like he was going through the teleporter while he had a head of cabbage. Now he's Mr. Cabbage Head. And in turn, it's like, this time the teleporter will work. And then his neighbor became like Corn Girl. And he's like, this time the teleporter will work. And then there's the dude that looks like a turnip. And it's like, you know what? I mean, what's the chances this thing will bust four times in a row, right? And then there's the neighbor that's like made out of lettuce. <laughs> so, yeah, I really want to make this RPG because I want him to be like so lonely that he, his only friends are the Cabbage, pa- uh, cabbage Patch kids that he has. That are he like does a little tea party in his house and that's the only friends he has because they're like perfect because they do what he says and stuff like that. Oh my gosh! And then it's like kind of like last house on the hill or whatever. Like he has a spike strip in front of his house, so like anytime <laughs> somebody's car breaks down, they're like, "Oh, can we use your phone? Come on inside." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mister Cabbage Head loves everyone to come in, you know. <laughs> so, and then the end of the movie trailer is like. Like, are you a vegetarian? And then you see the girl, like, looking through the door that's just barely open. He's like, you will be. (laughs) (laughs) Goddamn, I want this to be a movie so bad right now, I can't even (laughs) stop. Oh, man. 
Mr. Cabbage Head's House of Horrors. That's right. <laughs> so if that game becomes available, uh, that will also go on my BG Trade want list. So on a quick aside, uh, BGG trading, like I said, uh, so the best way to get this game is going to BGG trade. Trading has been really good for me lately, Kirk, because I decided recently to add 150 games to my BGG trade list. <laughs> Have you traded all 150 of those yet? No, you know what it is? It's, it's not even so much like, uh, and it's funny because like a lot of people, uh, and this is one thing that's always interesting with like people in our hobby, people are like, whoa, 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 are you okay, man? Like, like, you know, they put me on like suicide watch. Because it's like, you know, like, this this is extreme, don't you think? And it's not like I'm like, all these games on my trade list are garbage and I want to get rid of them. There's like a lot of good things on my trade list. But trying to be a little more realistic with game time and desire. Like, if, like say for example, I have Agricola on my trade list. And I have like, you know, a few of the add-ons for Agricola and stuff. It's not like I'm like, oh, the hell with Agricola, this game sucks. But if I was to give it up for something really good... I'm accepting of that. Like, I'm not in the zone anymore of I must own everything simply because it is good. Like, yeah. now I'm like, I must own things that are good and get played here often. If I've even started, like, kind of giving a few games to friends because it's like, you know, like, you know, like, oh, man, you're, you're getting rid of that game. I really like that. It's like, cool, give me $5 and you can have it forever. <laughs> you know, and, and people are like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to rip you off. I'm like, no, I don't care. It's, it's just that I don't want it here anymore. Like, I want yeah. space. I want to yeah. claim back my house because I'm starting to feel borderline hoarder and I don't like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it makes sense. Like, you know, when you told when you first told me you were doing that, like, like, I wasn't thinking I wasn't thinking. Unfortunately, I wasn't thinking about it your way like for you i was thinking about i i kind of equated to like this so you know say you've got you know you've got a nice house you have a nice car you've got all these things and all of a sudden you're like you know what i'm gonna sell all my stuff my house my car and like i know this is this is like really extreme but like and then i'm gonna move to europe you know sometimes people are like whoa 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 pump the brakes what is going on here <laughs> but you know, when we, when we came to New York and hung out with stuff like that and we talked about it and like, I, you know, I put some more thought into it too. You know, we did here too. When we're looking at some of our games, it makes sense because it's like, and we've talked about this before. If you keep literally looking at stuff and going, I need to play that. And then, you know, you come back another month and you go, you know what? I need to play that. And you come back another month and you go, you know, how many months do you go, I need to play this, and it still continues to sit there? It obviously doesn't mean enough to you if it's just going to sit there and not be played. Yeah, and it's and it's also a case of, like, you know, people like, oh, you know, but you'll have time down the future. It's like, first of all, I'll never have time in the future. I have to work until I die. Like, I'm never gonna <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always, I always <laughs> joke, it's like, I'm going to be, like, 98 bagging at a grocery store until I, you know, follow her dead, you know? Yeah, and it's like, but even still, it's like, you know, being realistic with the time. It's like, you know, um, and like some of the, you know, some of the games are amazing. Like, I, like Aeon's End. I love Aeon's End. And like when you were here, we played Champions Midgard. You know, Champions Midgard is not on my trade list. Mm -hmm. You know, like I adore that game. That, is, you know, if, if everyone collectively around here decided they didn't want to play Champions of Midgard anymore, I'd leave and find new people that play Champions of Midgard. It's like, you people are no longer friends. Goodbye. <laughs> and I know that sounds extreme, but you must admit that Playmat was pretty awesome. It was. And that game is good. So, you know, That's if right. those people don't like well, it, they suck hey. and they're a bunch of suck holes and they got to go. Yeah, well, you talked us into ordering right then and there. So, hey. Yeah, talked you into it. I had it on the table, and you guys were like, "Mine." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like any, any, anything that's awesome. You're like, "Oh, you have that. I must have that. That's awesome." I really do wish I had an Amazon store though for when you guys were here, because Tracy's like, "And I'll order that man, and I'm ordering these teas, <laughs> and I'm going to order uh, herbaceous sprouts." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I could have financed your next trip here with the Amazon earnings when you guys were. That getting is true. Everything. But um, so. On a, on a super fast, one other game that we played, and I actually ended up getting in a BGG trade as well, Camel Up Cards, which, uh, have you ever seen this or even known of its existence, really? Now, is is this the card version of the original Camel Up? Yes, but it actually, it's weird. It plays very different. Okay. I mean, granted, yes, camels are still racing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, they're still that. <laughs> and they still stack on top of each other. But the whole thing is, is um, so instead of like, the pyramid, uh, yeah, it's like a pyramid or whatever with the dice and stuff like that. And, you know, they're going to move anywhere from one to three yeah. spaces. It's actually a deck of 30 cards. And every color camel has five one-movement cards and then one two-movement card. 
And the whole thing is, you're actually, like, everyone's going to get dealt a small cut of cards from the deck. So, like, in a two-player game, you each get 12. Or in, like, a three-player game, I think you each get, like, eight or something like that. And the whole thing is, you're going to discard some cards face down to a discard pile. And then out of all those cards you're keeping, like, you're, like you know, that are in your hands, quote-unquote, you're going to choose one that's your personal card. And then all the other cards you're putting into a communal deck that you're all going to shuffle up. And that's, like, the movement mm-hmm. deck. So you actually got some inside info about, like, what camels are going to be moving how many spaces. The only question is when they come out of that deck. So you can kind of, like, card count. Okay. And then, so every turn, there's going to be one movement, which is either, like, flipping over the top card of the deck or playing that card you hid or, like, putting out a palm tree or a fox, which is kind of like that Oasis and uh, Mirage t- uh, tile that was in the original Camelot. But it's really cool because you actually have a sense of agency over which camels are going to move. It's not every camel is going to move in the race. Because, like, say everyone is, like, you know, ditches their orange card. Orange isn't going to move at all. And you're like, okay. You know, it's like now it's just like a race between these three because apparently all of us put our towels in there. But then, like, the winning and losing, you're not putting your card into it like normal camel up. You're taking that card. So say, like, the white camel's really in the lead, and somebody takes that white camel is going to win the entire race card. Now you don't want the white camel to win anymore. You're like, I don't have that card. Now I want the blue camel to win. So the next time you get your cards, you might, like, do a little bit of sabotage. You know? And it, it's really, it's, you, you know, you can see the camel up similarities, but it plays different enough that, it, like, you know, it, it earns a space. One of the other beautiful things is the box is the same size as that Mr. Cabbage Heart Garden that I showed you. Like, you know, it's pretty small, so it's a much smaller footprint. And it's really fun, like, actually having... Cause it almost reminds me a little bit of Stockpile, where it's like, I know something you don't know, and you know something I don't know, and I'm hoping I make money off of this, because I don't want you to make money <laughs> off of it. But I played it with Howard, and it was great. Immediately put it on a BGG trade request. Uh, I actually lucked out. Two days later, I got somebody that's like, yeah, let's trade this for this. So I was like, cool. And then... You know, we've played it like about three times since we got it, which is really fun. And it goes uh, two to six players, which is also great. Like I said, it's it's one of those things that a lot of times, you know, when there's the card game or the dice game or the whatever game, you know, people are like, meh, I don't know. But I noticed lately they've been making them different enough that it's it has an essence from the original game, but it definitely feels like a derision, a, a derision of that game as opposed to like, oh, it's the same thing except like, yeah. without all the bits you know and you're like who cares like this actually works you know and what's kind of funny is like if the coins like instead of giving you all the p- cardboard punch out coins or something you have like like four corners of like a one two three and four and then you flip it it's five six seven eight for your money so it's just like you rotate this card to show how much money you have and then anytime you have eight more than eight dollars there's cards that are nines and tens so you know like if you have 10 bucks you put up like a nine and your card on the one or if you have 15 you put out the 10 and turn your card to the five and uh like i said it's really fun it plays pretty fast most games i would say like you know are about like roughly maybe half an hour like you know even if like four players or two players so uh definitely fun good fun good game that's cool to know to know that's yeah like i it's funny that you said that you're like do you even know this exists i'm like i have no i had no clue yeah it was funny because a lot of people thought it was like a camel up expansion because it's just Mm. called camel up cards not camel up the card game so people are like, oh, I wonder if it's like new ways to race. And then they looked at it and they're like, this looks dumb. And then just <laughs> bounced out, I That's guess. That's unfortunate. But yeah. yeah, I'm I'm hoping that since Camelot, I don't know if you heard, like it got like the 2.0 treatment. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering if the card game is going to come back into rotation or if it's like, you know, if it did a poor performance and they're like, nope, we're good. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's something that is definitely worth playing if you get a shot to though. Nice. So how about you, good sir? What have you been getting to the table as of late? Uh, unfortunately, I haven't gotten we haven't gotten a ton in lately, which is kind of kind of sucks. But I was able to get in a couple of things. Mike was at, Mike actually went into the depths of board games of or games of board game past or whatever. And uh, which is funny because he's got a lot of games that I always think, God, it'd be nice for him to, you know, bring that over. And a lot of times he always wants to kind of play like the same games or like some new games and stuff like that. But we were able to play an old school classic Elysium by Asmodee or uh, Space Cowboys, if you're familiar with them. 
But um, man, I forgot how much how much fun this game is. Being able to basically use cards to kind of chain different abilities and stuff like that, and you've got your little uh, play area, and then you've got this upper area where you can use these abilities on your cards, or you can push them down below and score points for the end of the game and stuff like that. So there's this weird back and forth cat and, cat and mouse games, and then you've got these four colored, uh, they're not pawns, but they're the little, uh, God bless it, <laughs> columns. Columns, that's what I'm trying to think of. you got the different colored columns with uh, Greek symbols on them. And, you know, depending upon which ones you put put down in your tableau or whatever, that's the card you can take. So if one of the cards says that it, you you know you do a yellow, then you push put the yellow column down, you take the yellow card. If one of the cards says, you know, it's a green and then it has like a black spot on the bottom of it, that means it's any. So you could do a green and then a different colored column of, you know, whatever you have left and stuff like that. So there's this weird little cat and mouse game of trying to get certain things and using different combos, like I said before. And, and yeah, it's just one of those games that like, you know, it, it gets lost in the shuffle. You don't really hear about that much anymore. You know, it's, you know, it's only four years old at this point, but like, it might as well be 25 years old because I yeah. don't really hear it. I don't really hear anything about it anymore. You know, which is unfortunate. It came out the same week as Puerto Rico and Settlers of Catan. You know, it's like, yeah, 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 exactly. It came out when Jesus was born. So it's it's really easy to forget though. But like the art in that game was stellar. Yeah, yeah, the art is phenomenal. Yeah, it's a totally fun game. And it, yeah, like I said, it's just it was nice to get that to the table. And I'd like to get that on a semi. Uh, try to get it on a somewhat of a rotation so you know we're probably won't be something i want to play like every week but it'd be something i could play every month that would be kind of fun um another game we were able to play that uh, me and tracy were trying to dig into because we were lucky enough to get a review copy of visit from the ryan valley Uh, me and tracy were able to play half of viticulture just i tell you sometimes you know you're just like okay we're gonna get into this it's gonna be good like I had to, you know, kind of teach Tracy how to play it because me and me and you and uh, Kim had actually played it on Tabletopia, but Tracy wasn't there to play it with us, and so uh, you know we were I kind of taught her the game and stuff like that, and we were going really good, and then something came up, and I got it, God forbid I forget what it was, but then we paused it, and we're like, okay, well we'll pause it, we'll put it on the game table here, and then we'll continue it the next day, and then of course that never happened, so. So eventually here, I'm hoping in the next couple of days, we'll be able to revisit it again. But man, I forget how much, how much fun Viticulture is and how much thought they put into it and stuff like that. Like, I love that, you know, you've got these different seasons and you can only do certain things in those seasons and stuff like that. And I actually just kind of previewed the cards of Visit from the Rhine Valley. And, uh, I, I like, I like the choices that you have on these cards because I think, in in the original in the original version of viticulture some of the summer and some of the winter cards they just some of them just don't do enough for me and luckily enough there are some cards that are in there too that are like okay we'll just get rid of a you know get rid of a couple of cards to do this but yeah it's just it's crazy like how much thought and care and like you know, when it comes to Stormmire games, I don't really see anything that's like a negative, really. You know, it's just there's, you know, maybe something that I'm like, oh, maybe this would be changed, but like it's not a, it's not a like, oh, that brings this down a half point or whatever, you know, in my BGG rating. I just, I think that when it comes to what Stegmire does with all of his people, like he really just makes great games and makes them, you know, try to be the best that he can make. And, it's not one of those things where you know it. You you can tell he puts a lot of time and effort into it. I, you know, uh, I mean, I'm gonna make a bold claim on this, but I would say that Viticulture could be on the same tier as like Lords of Waterdeep. Yeah, Viticulture, it's like super accessible, very friendly in terms of learning, mm-hmm. but still a lot of meaningful decisions. Uh, the Grande Meeple that was introduced in. Uh, you know, later editions of the game definitely makes it where, you know, nobody is truly boxed out, but you only get one free pass. Yep. You know, make that thing count. 
there, there's so much good in that game. And, um, like, at our most recent con, actually, like, you know, they always have the board game auction, and somebody actually had a sealed copy of Viticulture in Tuscany uh, in, like, the box edition from Kickstarter wow. up on the auction block. And I was like... I already got both these things, but man, that would be a nice gift for somebody. <laughs> and uh, it went a little, it went a little out of my price range, but I was really happy. I think it ended up ending at like a hundred and thirty-five dollars. Wow, which was like, yeah, the highest uh, item sold that day. Yeah. And you know what, man? It's it's fair. I would say it's a totally fair price for like you know that awesome uh, everything. Like they, you know, because uh, I believe you got um, the Tuscany Essential Edition. Uh, I'm sorry, Viticulture Essential Edition. Yes. Where, you know, they added a lot from Tuscany. You know, they also have the Tuscany Essential Edition if you want all the extra stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I think that Viticulture Essential is perfect, though. Yeah. Like, uh, the other things are nice. Like, if you play Viticulture every month, then sure. But, you know, if you break it out a couple times a year, that Essential Edition is true. Yeah, yeah. It's just, everything about it is just, it's, it's a beautiful game. The mechanics are solid. Yeah, it's just fun to play. You know what? I remember when I first heard about the game. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, and I know I talk about this too, where it's like, don't don't look at the, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. But I'm like, you know, what? How much fun is making wine in a game? That just to me that sounds weird. <laughs> and then you know when you play it, you're like, wow, this is. It's not just that. You know, it's 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 the you know, there's a story within the winemaking process and all the people that are there and all the people that work there and stuff like that too, which are in the cards, you know? So it's just, yeah, it's crazy, the production value. Yeah, and I, I love how, like, you know, aging the grapes, aging the wines, you know, upgrading the cellars. There's, like, it, it works so well. And uh, you know what's great? I'm really glad you brought that game up because uh, I'm going to a game day tomorrow, actually, and there's going to be five or six people. And I was trying to figure out some stuff to bring. And you know what? Uh, Viticulture goes up to six. So I think I got my answer. <laughs> nice. So yeah, so that's pretty much what I've been playing recently. Unfortunately, not a ton of stuff, but hoping here in the near future to get some stuff going once they decides to, you know, decide to go back to normal and I can actually do things with other people. That'd be great. Well, let's, let's not uh, put all our eggs in one basket. You know, once you've hit past 40, man, it all shuts down. <laughs> that's you know? right. Where do we go from here? That's funny. Let's get to the topic at hand. So, uh, you know, I just this, I just decided, you know what, let's just have a fun random episode. I just threw some random questions on Facebook, on Twitter, and just kind of wanted to see what everyone thought. Uh, the thing that I think was funny, too, is I told Dan exactly what I was going to do. I threw a question up on Facebook, which he answered, and I'm like, what the hell are you doing, man? That's what we do on the podcast. You're supposed to do it on the podcast. And, yeah. No, that's okay. Everyone else knows now, and it's everything's I, fine. I, I pawned it off to my assistant. <laughs> That's right. Darn it, Jimmy, would you stop that? Come on, no. So I'm just going to pull one randomly off of here, and we'll just kind of talk as we go. All right, so one of the questions I threw up uh, is one of the first ones I came up with here. Uh, what is a board game that you think is not known well enough that you love? And this is the one that Dan answered, so I'll let you go first. Like I said, I handed it off to my assistant. I don't. <laughs> you think I'm going to proofread him? What do you think I paid him for? I believe one of those games mentioned might have been Cauldron, which I am, uh, you know what? I am self-appointing myself as a herald of that game. <laughs> yeah, you are. Dude, it is criminal how overlooked it is. <laughs> it's so good. And I, Now, who is that done by again? Uh, Magic Circle Games. Oh, right. And by the way, uh, I played it again not too long ago, and I have still lost. I have lost seven games in a row with this current. I'm not mad yet, <laughs> but I can't win, and I still love playing it, so that's a nice. plus. Uh, another game on that list is Spirium, which is an interesting worker placement displacement game. It's It was from, God, I want to say like five or six years ago, probably. It was like I think it was really early in my game collection that I got that one. It's one of those games that anytime I say to people, like, oh, you want to play Spirium? They're always like, Spirium? What's that? Yeah, I've never heard of it. And uh, and then, you know, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um... It's like an interesting concept of there's this town board where you can place your workers or your own unique worker areas. And it's just like very different. Like I never really found too many games like it because, you know, you're basically you want to buy cards from like the center town. And by placing your people there, if you want to buy a building, it costs like a coin for every single person touching it. Or you can lift your people and get money based on how many people are touching an area. So it's like a weird push and pull of economy. 
Because it'll be like, oh, I'm making this thing more valuable. I'm making this thing, you know, I'm trying to make this valuable just because I want to get more money to buy this other thing that no one else is near. And it's very different and very weird and uh, completely lost in the in the pages of time at this point in board gaming history. Like five years ago, it might as well have been 100 years yeah, ago. Yeah, it has an interesting look to it. I really kind of dig it. It's kind of cool. Yeah, this game is from 2013. Oh, my God. This thing might as well just be be a lost relic by now. <laughs> It's Clue's little brother. That's right. <laughs> it was originally it was originally made by Milton Bradley back in 1976. <laughs> a couple of games that uh, that other people responded with, which I thought was kind of cool. Again, I love asking questions like this because then it's like, oh, here's a game I'd love to play. You know, because it's like it, a lot of times it's it's just something. You know, I always want I always want people to say something that I. Like, maybe I'd know, just so I go, ha I know that game. But no. <laughs> All these are like, wow, I've never heard of this game. Mike Promo from Path of Play, what, uh, two of his favorites that he feels like not you know not enough people know are Artis and, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, Ekatorp, which I love. I love both of those names. My, uh, my cousin died of an Ekatorp overdose, actually. That's pretty... <laughs> That's right. So I'm going to just quickly explain both of these just because I I'm, I'm love trying to, you know, get people... I love trying to tell people about games that they, you know, that they need to know. That's kind of what we do, you know, games you need to know. It says, in Artist, the round table of legend is a turntable in the center of the game board with a space marker with a crown for the king. Numbers on the edge from plus 10 to negative 15 counterclockwise from the king and a few spaces worth zero. Each player has six cards in their hand, two knights, two royalty, and two scoring cards, and plays two cards each turn. By doing this, players are able to place figures of their color or neutral figures around the table, score certain areas or figures under certain circumstances, and place rings on neutral figures or to move them. The neutral figure bearing three rings is the current king, and the table is always oriented to place this figure in the crown located. A new king can come into power, though, which will find everyone sitting at a new location. And just the... If you go on Board Game Geek, that was the uh, kind of the intro on Board Game Geek. This is a really cool-looking game, because it's got kind of like that rondelle middle, and then it's got the little colored player pawns, you know, for the different character, for the different players and stuff like that, and you use cards too, and it's just got a super unique look, and it just, yeah. As soon as I saw this, I was like, "Wow, this is cool." I'm sure I'll never be able to find it, but it's cool that that this is a thing, and it got the 2011 and 2012 uh, Golden Geek Best Abstract Board Game nominee. So that is artist, and then, yeah, definitely. Does it sound like something on? Uh... From the visuals, do you think it would be up my alley? I think you would dig this. Like, you were just talking about that other game that you just talked about. Why can't I think of it? <laughs> the one where it was kind of had the unique look to it, you know? Um, oh, Spearian? It kind of has that same look to it where it's like you're kind of, you know, vying, you know, vying for a certain power around, you know, around the whole table and stuff like that. And I think it, it it's got a lot of good options and stuff like that. The... Other one here is uh, Ekatorp. That is by Queen Games. Um, unfortunately, I will never play this game because it's three to six players. So, good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it sounds awesome. And Ekatorp players build Viking strongholds upon the Swedish island of Oland. The goal of the game is to collect the most valuable blocks to build your own fortress, either by winning battles on the resource bases or by stealing blocks from other Vikings. Each turn, new resources appear, and the players secretly plan their Viking movements. After all the placements are revealed, Vikings battle each other for blocks. The game ends after a set number of rounds, or when one of the players has succeeded in finishing their fortress. And this just looks like a little cool, like... Again, the setup is kind of interesting, because like some of, the, some of the cards that they have, it's like... Or some of the pictures that they have, it's like... You know, everybody has their own little player boards, and they've got this their own little player screen and stuff like that. And there's a board there where you can build your fortresses and stuff like that. And it's it looks super fun. And with with Queen Games, it seems like you really can't go wrong. Like, you know, there's you know maybe like one or two out there that you know a lot of people like didn't really like, but it seems like Queen Games always makes a ton of games, and it seems like they're you know they have a lot of good fun and replayability. So that one looks awesome too. 
But again, I will probably never play it because it's three players. So yeah, you know, I'm, you know what's funny? I'm like looking at a few of the pictures myself, and I'm like, man, this thing does look pretty damn cool. <laughs> Uh, maybe I can rope George and Ed into wanting to play this at some point and get my get yeah, my four players. Yeah, exactly. So you you have I have to live vicariously through you because I know that will never happen for me. But still, it's still pretty cool. I can always send you pictures and just gloat and. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's somebody has like a like new copy for only like seventeen bucks on the geek market. That's not half bad at all. Oh, I was gonna say that's pretty good. You probably get a lot of probably get a lot of good gameage out of that. And that's the thing we've always kind of talked about, like. Queen games, it, it seems like, it's kind of kind of weird to say this, but it seems like when Queen games has their Kickstarters, like, you know, they're always funded and they always, you know, you're always seeming to pay a decent amount for different stretch goals and stuff like that. But like, and I hate to say this, but like, it seems like you could just wait down the road a few years later and then it's like Amazon or like Board Game Geek always has them for like super dirt cheap. And you, you can always get one or two great games for a decent amount, and you, you, you'll have them forever. So, Yeah, it's, it's like Queen Games, they're either $80 on Amazon or like $8 on Amazon. There's never, it's never like, oh, 33 Yeah, that's reasonable. It's, yeah. <laughs> exactly. We had uh, another couple of suggestions. At Horse Avoider on Twitter said that, shockingly enough, the Bloodborne game is actually pretty fun. That's something that had, I feel like when it first came out, had a lot of steam, and now I just, I don't hear enough about. That's the Eric Lane game, right? He made that, right? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Is, um, like, I know, I think, I don't know if it's the same game. I know there was like a Bloodborne, a Bloodborne card game, mm-hmm. and I think they also made like a miniatures game at some point too, right? Yeah. I think so I, that's the one that Lang did. Yeah. And then another one which I had to look up because I never heard about this either, and it is a adventure card game, adventure deck builder with stick figures called Mr. Card Game, which looks and feels like that would be hilarious to play. And it's funny because uh, he was like, you know, good luck trying to find a copy of it. And, of course, I found it on Amazon for 30 bucks. So, you know, maybe if I... Maybe if I save up a few shekels, maybe I can try it out to see. But if you don't know what this game is, look up Mr. Card Game. They actually have a website where you can look. They actually have like a teaser video. It looks silly, and but it actually looks like a lot of fun. So That's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's look into that. Um, also, uh, last, last thing on there too is uh, Carl from N20 Games says chess. He feels like chess doesn't get enough... Uh, you know, people when people talk about old school board games and you know just the hobby games and stuff like that, he feels like you know not enough people talk about chess. Um, the funny thing is, is there's this new, there's this new. Um, I'm trying to think of what it is. There's this new take on chess now, and I don't know if you've seen this, where somebody's made chess, but they've taken the pawns and combined them together, so you can actually decide what you want to how you want to move your chess pieces like like there would be like a pawn half mixed with a knight and you can actually take that take and two halves so you can take part of it and actually move it in a certain direction so you can have different moves that way i don't know how that shapes out i i don't know if that'll you know if that's exactly a you know a thing that will revolutionize chess or not but i thought it was interesting that they're doing that it's like chess learned from the Duke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you ask me a couple of games that are games that kind of have been kind of thrown aside that I feel like people need to know more, and I think... Wait, would you say your most un- uh, overlooked game is a little unknown title by the name of Orleans? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, one of the games I think is one of those that I've, you know, I've, champ- I've championed quite a few times, and I think that's Starving Artist by Fairway 3 Games, like, that that's that's a great mm. game that I always love to you know pull out and play. Um, just you know, it's one of those that it's got a lot of decision making, which can kind of make it go a little long, but also can end really quickly if you do not you know keep keep your artist fed and well paid. So uh, that's a that's a game that I I truly love to play, um, and I feel like just doesn't get enough love. Another game is Affliction. A game that Dan, you know, Dan told told me about that I think, you know, it's one of those that, you know, I was like, man, this game, why is this game so great? Man, it is so great. And it feels, I feel like nobody knows about this game. 
and yet you know it just kind of has you know little window and now i feel like it just doesn't get enough love and i wish it would one thing i, I didn't realize is uh starving artist also has a solo mode that you can play which makes me kind of want to go get this game a spin again <laughs> yep yep it's it's one of those games that's that is is fun and challenging but also harsh too and it's not one of those that it's not harsh enough where when you're done you're like oh i hate this i hate how harsh it is it's like okay i need to win this now you know i need to you know make better moves and i need to you know make better choices and i love that yeah i mean it's harsh in that field of like uh agricola where you need to you know you need to do the right move or the better play sometimes as opposed to the <laughs> yeah but i want more red paint it's like it doesn't make a difference if you yeah, want yeah. red paint you yeah, need exactly. to eat you know yeah and that game is still pr- fairly readily available uh on a quick aside if you're looking to get starving artists plus the playmat. Uh, the game steward has wow. the Kickstarter edition for like that's forty pretty, bucks. That's a pretty good price, actually. And uh, I don't want to say this with any sense of conviction because I can't prove it, but I know on their site they used to have it where you can actually print out your own pictures as work of arts to do uh, in game. Like it would actually assign the color requirements based on the pictures you submitted, and I always thought that was a really cool idea, too. I remember, like, in the early... Again, I don't know if it's still supported, but they used to have that, like, when the game first came out. And it was pretty cool being able to be like, I'm going to get a picture of my dog as something to paint in Starving Artist, or, like, you know, like this photo that I took a while ago. I'm going to, you know, this is, like, awesome black and white photo. I'm going to put that as one of the things that you can do. So it's a pretty interesting concept. So next question on the old old board there is... uh... The games that you've bought lately are from where? Do you prefer one or the other? So the choices I, the two choices I put up there were indie creators or established creators, and more often than not, actually people put indie creators, which I think is interesting. I think most of the people that probably voted was probably people that are indie gamers thems or indie publishers themselves, because we have a lot of friends of the podcast and stuff like that that like to talk to us, and most of them are that. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But that's what the results showed. True. It, it could mean something, though, because it could easily be like, like, it's like, which is cooler, you or other guys? And you're like, it, me. Like, not other. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, like, we all want to try to help the little guy because we're all like that. You know, we all, we're not all Jamie Stegmar, unfortunately. So, you know, we have to find ways to produce the games that we want or support the games that we want and stuff like that me i wish i actually had more indie creator games i don't actually i mean we've got a few here and there but most of what we have i would i would say now is more of like the established um probably i don't know i want to say 80 20 maybe 70 30 but i can't be for sure yeah i mean it's it's one of those things like you know um i still want the day where kickstarter is reclaimed by the indies where you know it's the land of opportunity instead of the land of more minis but uh this wish will never come to be you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah no kidding yeah it's just it's just like when those indie movies that are awesome and you're like oh my gosh you know hopefully this will be the resurgence of you know more indie creators making awesome movies and then disney buys everything and then it's just you know it'll never happen so word so, so, but before uh, before we uh, wrap this up, because it it is running a little late, and uh, you know we we always have more games to play and uh, chores to quick take care of. Speaking of the big guy, would you like to hear a little anecdote about recent events, Kurt? <laughs> oh my gosh, would I love to? Okay, so um, so cool mini or not, you, you've probably heard of them, right? You know they have a couple of games out there. Uh, oh yeah, you might remember a while ago I got uh. A copy of Railroad Inc. I bought both versions because I was a sucker, and the only difference between the two versions is four dice, right? <laughs> so I'm like, well, that's worth another $25 MSRP. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I finally opened our Blazing Red copy because we would always just play our friends because I, ha- you know, I would always bring blue and he had his red and it's like, okay, cool. This way we both feel like our games are being played even though it's the exact same game. So Kim and I, I was like, you know what? I want to show you this meter thing. It's awesome. We open up our blazing red copy. We got multiple copies of the same dice and not the other dice. We cannot play the blazing red edition. We can only have direction dice, no meteors or 
you know, I'm like, okay, this is weird and dumb, but whatever. So I wrote to Cool Meteor Not. I'm like, hey, you know, uh, opened up my Blazing Red. It's just kind of weird. And I sent them pictures and I'm like, I kind of need that other die so I can, you know, use it. So that would be great. <laughs> and they're like, no problem. We'll get that right out to you soon. This was January 10th. And, <laughs> and um, you know, nothing. And I, I wrote to them again and I got no reply. And then I wrote to them again. And then like uh, towards the end of February, they basically responded with like, you'll get it when you get it. You know, <laughs> and I was like, well, that's nice. I'm like, thanks, dad. Because they were like, we, we answer our needs at, on a first-come, first-served basis, and yours will be addressed when it is queued. I'm like, well, you know, I'm like, I'm just curious because I sent my request like six weeks ago. So is it that you guys only answer like five emails a day, or is it you guys make so many freaking mistakes that six weeks is not enough time to get to an email that somebody sent you about this? <laughs> Either way, this is horrifying. It made me – I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Broken Arrow, but – uh no. Oh my god, it's so broken in, in the movie, the guy's like, we got a broken arrow. And he's like, what's that? It's like, it's what we call it when we lose a nuclear warhead. And the guy's like, I don't know what's scarier, that it happened today or it happened so often you guys have a name for it. And uh, <laughs> I, I felt like that like when I got that email. It's like, six weeks is not enough time to get to a, a broken game? That's not good. You know, it's like, kind of worried about yeah. buying your other stuff now. It's like, eight years later, you're telling your children, someday the zombicide minis will be here, children. I don't know why you're that old yeah. when your kids are only eight, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard It's hard to trust a company when something small like that doesn't happen. I had a similar, I'll just say this quick before we go to, I had a similar, similar conversation with a someone that actually runs the company that is uh, part of this board game, big board game company, which was cool. I was able to talk to him and uh, I was like, yeah, we just, we had all of these, they came with a bunch of their specialty minis. And I was like, yeah, we've got all these minis except we're missing one. And I'm like, it, it wouldn't seem like a lot of, it wouldn't seem like it would be a big deal, but one of your scenarios in your game actually needs all of these certain type of meeples and we're missing one. You know, you, do you mind if I, you know, can I get one for you? And he's like, well, you know, it's not, it's one of those things that we don't have extras lying around. We, it's one of those things like if someone uses a demo game or something like that, then we can open it up and then, you know, whatever we have, if we have to ship to somebody else or if somebody misses one, then we can ship one to you. And I'm like, okay, that's great and all, but it, this is your mistake. It's not my mistake, you know, so you should be able to like, take a box you obviously send stuff to reviewers and demo stuff all the time so you know just you know send one out to me and i was like you know whatever you know whenever you can give you, you whenever you because you know we actually bought a deluxe version of it too so it had lots of stuff and i wanted to play it more so i was like you know whenever you can send it out to me just let me know and he's like well let me check i might have something around i'm like okay sounds good about a week later, he says, I have something. He's like, I'll send it out to you. Go, Great, send it out to me. He, instead of putting it in a nice little box, maybe with a little bubble tape, he puts it in a normal envelope with the one thing in a little baggie and sends it through the mail. Well, if you don't know how the mail process works, it runs through different machines and some things will get lost. Like a meeple that probably shoots the heck out of a little plastic baggie out of a normal envelope and onto the sales floor. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. So yeah, so I get this I get this envelope with the corner ripped out of the envelope and I can see the plastic baggie where that corner was ripped out and nothing in it. And I reply, (laughs) you know, like um, here's a picture of this. I took took the picture and saying, and we're just like, you sent it through the mail. This they lost my thing or whatever. And he's like, I'm sorry, I have, I've got nothing left. I'm like, okay, great. Now I have yeah. now I have no reason to trust you at all. Yeah. Well, so well, like that's the fun thing with this cool mini or not deal. I never got the die replacement. I just emailed them at one point. I was like, can you just tell me what the six facings are and I'll just make my own die of it? Like, I don't care. I just want to know what they're supposed to be, you know? And um, and then I get an email that my case is closed. And I'm like, awesome. And I look, 
it's not that they're sending me the die. It's that they merged with Asmodee and they're like, well, you have to resubmit your request now. I'm like, you guys couldn't handle it in four months. Why even bother re- resubmitting uh, it? It's yeah, like- no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> when Railroad Inc. 3 comes out, I'll, you know, finally I'll... <laughs> Yeah, but I was yeah. just like, this is insane. So now I'm just like making up my own Railroad Ink games. I'm like, the hell with it. You know me. I got like 200 blank dice. I'm just going to start making stuff up. It's like, oh, That's this right. is the tornado die. It does it. Like, and then I'm going to make yeah. my own game, and I'm going to put cool mini or not out of business. So hmm. Yeah, exactly. This is Railroad <laughs> Ink, the post-apocalyptic version. Yeah, it's it, it's not Railroad Ink. It's it's Bell Bode Blank. That'll be my name. And <laughs> Nice. Totally original title. title, and it'll Curry be... Title. Love it. You're making magic bus routes and <laughs> airplanes. And there we go. Nice. And the airplanes can only follow the runways that look like train tracks. And it'll be a totally <laughs> unique game. And it's all my idea. And I didn't steal from anything. So Nice. Nice. To them. T- TM. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. TM. 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 <laughs> yep. Because that, that's what happens. You just put it there and it's all yours. All right. So... Uh, if you haven't answered any of the questions that we put up on Twitter or Facebook, they'll still be there. So if you want to kind of talk about what we've been talking about, if there's anything that you're excited about that we talked about that you think is cool, why don't you head over to at MFGCast on Twitter or our MFGCast Facebook page. And let's get in the conversation. So, yeah, man, I definitely want people to, like, just any of those, like, weird little, you know, it, you just don't see it on, on either Facebook board game groups or hear about it on podcasts. I want to know those titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's always cool when you find those little... It's like when when me and you went to that board game shop and you found that other uh, Carcassonne. Is that Carcassonne that you Yeah, Carcassonne the New World, which is awesome, yeah. by the way. We played it uh, the that... other week, and it was so good. Nice. Yeah, it's just one of those that's like, I didn't know that existed, you know? So it's it's cool to, you know, find little gems like that. We're always we're always about that. So until next time, I'm Kurt. And this is D. Wyatt. And this was the MFG cast. Thanks for listening. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends one die at a time.